0: Welcome to The Way Church Service with Pastor John. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.TheWayMinistriesRI.org. Thank you and have a great day. You called me from the grave by name. You called me out of all my shame. I see the old has passed away, the new has come.
1: So want to hear oh my, my says, I want to hear my people. Right. Everything happens for a reason. That's we sound right. a better than that. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus, right? He's like,
0: you
1: not the music. The no, we season. we are the music. That's right. Our Savior. Amen. He loves us. Aww. That's an awesome song. The lyrics in that song are really important. It doesn't say I feel resurrection power. It says I have resurrection power. Amen. Yeah. We're not gonna feel like we have this power. The devil's gonna try to make us feel like we don't. That's right. But no, we have it. As born again believers, we have resurrected power. Amen? Yeah. Living on the inside. That's awesome. How's everybody doing tonight? Good. Good to see everybody. Heck, Better now, right? Once you understand why we come to church, you want to come to church. It's not about religion, it's about a relationship, amen? With God and our brothers and sisters, and we just get disconnected from the world for a little while, get connected with each other, get a little reprieve from all that, get empowered to go back out into it, amen? Whew. I'm glad we do three services here. I need all three. I need more. (laughs) All right, we're going to continue in our study about um, spiritual growth and biblical spirituality. But first, we're going to go to that verse on the board there. Luke chapter 12 that Mary put up there for us. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Mary. One body. There's so many things you can do for the ministry and for God. All right, we'll start in verse 35, and we're going to go a little bit further than she wrote there because there's a lot of good stuff in there. I didn't
0: have room. Yeah, I know.
1: <laughs> I know. I'm going to keep the context As of the I scripture. Keep going. You know I will. I'm reading this, so i got to keep going on this. We can't cut this one short. Awesome scripture. We're going to go to verse 34. Luke chapter 12, verse 34, tells us, Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. If Jesus Christ is your treasure, The desire is your heart would be to be with Him, learn about Him, get to know Him, and walk with Him. Amen? And we're working on that. That's what spiritual growth is. Working on our relationship of putting Him first in our lives. Amen? That's a process. Be ready for the Lord's coming. Verse 35. Be dressed for service. Keep your lamps burning. As though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth, he himself will seat them, put on an apron and serve them as they sit and eat. Amen. He may come. Listen how listen how this works. He may come in the middle of the night, or just before dawn, but whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. Ready for what? Ready to be with him and meet him. Amen? As we grow, as he prepares us to be ready for him, either we're going to, yes, Lord, I'm ready, or we hang our hands with Lord, Lord, I wish I had more time to get to know you better. I just didn't use that time wisely. So it's either way. And look what it says. Understand this. Look at verse 39. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would not permit his house to be broken into, right? If you knew your your house was going to get robbed, you wouldn't leave it What time he was coming. That's what he's trying to say. He's using this analogy. You also must be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when least least expected. We don't know when he's going to come. He wants us to be ready. Now look what it said. Peter, Peter asked, Lord, is that illustration just for us or for everyone? And the Lord replied, A faithful, sensible servant is one whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth. The master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But what if the servant thinks, my master won't be back for a while, and he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk? The master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut the servant in pieces and banish him with the unfaithful. (laughs) And a servant who knows what the master wants but isn't prepared and doesn't carry out those instructions will be severely punished. What he's saying, if you know what I'm trying to tell you through this word, and then you were not ready, there's going to be some kind of discipline involved in it for you not carrying out what you know. God's, look, the Bible is no joke. He tells us, if you, won't, if you know what the word wants you to do, and you don't do it, there's going to be some kind of punishment for that. And let me tell you something, the punishment is within ourselves. When Jesus comes and says, you know, Lord, I know you wanted me to do this, but I just didn't make the time for you. I just didn't have time for you. Are we going to get into the kingdom? Yes. But let me tell you something, there's going to be rewards for people who are faithful to him, and there's not going to be rewards for people who ain't. That's just the way it goes. Now look what it says. When someone has been given much... Oh, it says, but someone who does not know and then does something wrong. This is why Christianity is so backwards. You see, Christians know more than non-Christians, so they're expected to do more for God because they know what God wants. It's not like, oh, I know God, so that means that gets me off the hook. No, we more have more responsibilities than the unbelievers because they don't know any better. We know better, so we have more responsibilities as Christians. Can I get an amen for that? And we're taught well here. And look what it says will be punished only lightly. The people that are ignorant, but someone who has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. So Jesus is saying, the more you know about me, the more you're required to live like me and for me. There's no escaping that. Because now it's going to be outright rebellion, not ignorance, when you don't obey him. You see the difference? So, believe me, if you're coming here and you're getting well taught about the Word of God, you are definitely required more from what God wants you to do and the way He wants you to live. Amen? Amen? So that just gives me a little healthy fear of God. Saying, Lord, I know what you want me to do. I don't know if I want to do it, though. Remember, it always comes down to a choice, right? Amen. Amen. All right, let's, I want, there's another scripture I want to go to before we get started. And there's another thing. We uh, ended up becoming celebrities this week, <laughs> last week. We ended up going walking on a track in Smithfield High School, right, to get a little exercise in. And what do you know? This guy jumps out with a camera at us.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> we got the paper. We're in the Observer. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah we made it to the, we made the headlines. Out of the blue. He chose, there was a lot of people there. Out of the blue, we jumped out and took our picture. And we got in there. So, <laughs> so we give glory. Listen, it's a very active thing to glorify God. We were glorifying God on the track.
0: Yeah.
1: Wow. Out of the blue. Go figure. Right
0: here. Yeah, right here. Where is it? Oh, right here. <laughs>
1: So, you know, you never know who's watching when you're not here. Let me tell you something, what you're doing. You definitely want the camera to be catching you doing something good. Because, let me tell you something, there's cameras everywhere now. Let me tell you, you don't want to get in the paper as a Christian with doing something wrong. It's definitely, (laughs) so you never know who's watching, amen? That's a good thing. Thank you, Jesus, right? Let me tell you something. There's nothing wrong with a camera or somebody watching you. If you're not doing anything wrong, it doesn't matter. Right. See, it's only for people who are doing wrong. They feel like, oh, no, I can't get a picture. Or, oh, I must be speeding. Oh, I don't want them cameras. Well, if you're not <laughs> doing the wrong thing, the camera's not going to harm you. Right. <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, God's in control of everything yeah but that's all good and I want us to go <laughs> I want us to go to second Timothy chapter three. all uh, right this was writing on my heart to share this with you, and I was thinking about the last days here, and that's what he was talking about here. Yeah. Is anybody going to any difficulties? Well, we're going to heaven. why ain't everything so great down here because this ain't heaven that's why. <laughs> If you understand the Bible, we're just passing through this life. And I'm saying, good thing. Good thing this ain't my permanent. Room. I don't want to get stuck down here. <laughs> no. no
0: kidding.
1: That's the greatest hope of a Christian, the understanding that we're not going to get stuck down here. This isn't the end. This is just the training ground for what's going to be better. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. It gives me a lot of hope. Because the way things are going out there right now, I'm saying, wow, all these things that took, that, that, they're coming like the birth pains are getting closer. Oh, yeah. Curfews all of a sudden now yeah. and all these things and active, all this crazy stuff going on, right? The COVID, the, the diseases, it's all coming closer and closer together. You can definitely sense something's up here. Yeah, I no, it's all, I'm saying this helicopter's flying over yeah. my house. Yeah. I'm saying something yeah. is up here. Even years ago when that thing happened, there wasn't no curfews and stuff like that with the the other thing that happened back in the day. There was no helicopters flying over my house and everything. Now it's getting like, I got to stay home and I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah,
0: right.
1: So you can sense it. If you're a Christian, you can sense things coming. All right, look at verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I hope you got your Bible, because let me tell you something, that might be the only thing left after all these computers get shut down or something, you know? Something's coming, you know? If you think about it, everything's on the computers now, banking, all kinds of stuff, right? Imagine if that all crashes, everybody would be like lost, cell phones, everything, they'd be like, I don't remember anybody's number anymore, I wouldn't know who to call. (laughs) We're all dependent on that stuff, you know? It's like lulling us to sleep. Look at verse 1. You should know this. Apostle Paul warning Timothy. Timothy, that in the last days, there will be very difficult times. For people will only love themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents. Oh, tell me about it. And ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. If you think about it today, people are like, we don't even want church anymore. It's getting weeded out of America. Look at, it. They will be unloving and unforgiving. You notice it now. People are very unforgiving, even Christians. They will slander others. And here's a big one. Have no self-control. See it? None. They will be cruel and hate what is good. And love pleasure rather than God. Think about it. Think about even Christians that love pleasure over God. They'd rather be doing their thing instead of what God wants them to do. And it says it right here look, they will consider nothing, they will be unloving, unforgiving, they'll slander others and have no self control, they'll be cruel and hate what is good. If you go out in the world now, Good is bad and bad is good. You see it coming. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Which is what? This. It's the word of God that they... Even Christians reject the word of God. This is what makes you godly. These very words is what transforms you into the image of Christ. And a lot of churches are not even opening these anymore. There's more activities and music and all kinds of stuff going on than the reading of the truth of the word of God to them. So they can change. Because don't think he was just talking to, about unbelievers here. He was talking about believers too. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. And here's another thing it tells them. Stay away from people like that. Look at it. It's going to come to, down to the point where there's going to be small pockets of believers that are really following Jesus. And there's going to be people that, there's a lot of people that say they're Christians all the time. And then you'll see the way that they are and say, because we know the truth because we get the truth taught here. You say, that doesn't line up to what you're saying. The way people are living and what they're doing. Amen? Amen. So that scripture lines up with what Jesus was saying right there. Be ready. Because you never know when that's going to come. Amen. Alright, now we're going to go to um, 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to continue. We're going to talk about this. What he was talking about here. So we can get the context of what I'm going to be talking about. Yeah, you know, yeah, we're not yeah. I, I get it. Relax, we're gonna get there. Relax, Laurie, we're gonna get there. <laughs> hey. Just get warmed up over here. We got always gonna make it we gotta get it we gotta get the right spirit going here, right? Everybody's ready now, right? Prepared? Right, Laurie? At a girl. <laughs> yeah. My wife's a barometer, so We're gonna uh, just going for um, uh, Second Peter chapter one. Thank you. We're gonna we're gonna go down here and then we're gonna we're gonna hit on the self control issue we were talking about. Look at verse three. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. So believer, we already know that we have everything we need. How about an amen? amen. We have it already. It's not something that you feel. It's something that you possess. Alright, so we already have that. Okay? We understand that. We have received all of this. How have we received it? By some spiritual zapping? No. By coming to know Him. You've been coming here for any length of time. You are definitely coming to know your Creator. Right? By coming to know Him, the One who called us to Himself... By his means of marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. Now we all know that we're learning what the promises of God are by reading the word of God. Amen? Amen. And we hold true to them promises. Because it tells you what it says. Look what it says very clearly. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption. Okay? Caused by human desires. So it's the very promises in here that empower us to escape all that. It's not some osmosis process. It's something that we have through the Bible. We possess it. Okay. We with we, we me so far? In view of all this, now he says that I've given you all this, now here's something that you have to do. Make every effort to respond. Okay, so God gives us the promise, and now we have to respond to the promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. Moral excellence with knowledge. We're getting knowledge from the Word of God. And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with patient endurance. And patient endurance with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love for everyone. So think about it. Brotherly affection is practiced here. And guess what? When you leave here, and it says brotherly affection for everyone when you leave here. You see? That's the mark of a Christian by showing that affection when you're not here. How many of us is starting to get like that? We're getting there, right? We're not perfect. Nobody says we were perfect, but there's a goal. We're trying to get this right. We're trying to become like Jesus. There's a goal set here. And guess what? He gives us that test every day. How many of us are getting tested to become like Jesus every day? Woo! That's an honor. Believe me, it's an honor when you come against all these because he's seeing that you count when you're worthy of answering the call. That's awesome that he knows that you can do it. Amen, right? Jesus knows that we can do it. Or else he wouldn't tell us he could, but we could. Okay. And look what it says. Look at verse 8. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord and Jesus Christ. But listen, there's a problem for those who fail to develop in this way, are short-sighted or blind, forgetting they have been cleansed from their old sin. What do they mean, forgot? You forgot that your sin nature's been dealt with and washed away. It's no longer controlling, has to control you anymore. And when it does, you forgot that it's been taken care of already. Amen? Amen. These are the things, these are are the only thing that holds us back from living the way God wants us to live. It's just the lack of understanding of this when the trials come. Now look what it says. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove That you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will what? Never fall away. Amen? Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord, Savior Jesus Christ. All right, now let's talk about this. All right. We went over some scripture about self-control, right? About some principles that can help us to. Gain this self-control. How many of us need that self-control? You know it as well as I do. There's areas in our life that we have no self-control over. They contr- our sinful nature is still controlling us. We need to what? Conquer that. Because the Bible says that we already have it. All right, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is the change in our character that comes about because of the Holy Spirit's work in us. Okay? We do not become Christians on our own. We cannot grow on our own. Philippians 2.13 says it is God who is at work in you. Both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Every good thing we do is the fruit of the Spirit's work in our lives. Amen? We have to understand that. Self-control, the King James calls it temperance, is of course the ability to control oneself. It involves moderation, constraint and the ability to say no to our base desires and fleshly lusts. One of the proofs of God's working in our lives is the ability to control our own thoughts, okay? words and actions. It's not that we are naturally weak-willed, but our fallen nature is under the influence of sin. Amen? We understand that. The Bible calls it being a slave to sin, which is Romans 6.6, 6. okay, one definition of sin is filling a legitimate need through illegitimate means. Let me say it again. One definition of sin is filling a legitimate need through illegitimate means. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, we are incapable of knowing and choosing how best to meet our needs. Even if we knew what would be best, such as not smoking, another need like comfort would take precedence and enslave us again. I'm just using these in examples. I'm not pointing at anyone in particular, okay? So don't think that I'm talking to anybody. This is in general, okay? Please. When we are saved by Christ's sacrifice, we are free. That liberty includes. Among other things, freedom from sin. Can I get an amen for that? We are free from sin. We no longer have to let sin control us. Our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin may be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, Romans 6.6. 6. Now as the Spirit gives us control, we can what? Refuse sin. You understand you can refuse it? everybody thinks that i'm waiting for self-control you're waiting for something you already have you can say no to sin now you never had that power before you became a believer how many are using that power in times i'm using it in some some occasions some occasions i'm not i'm failing but i am a work in progress how about you thank you for his grace and his mercy that doesn't hold that against us and it doesn't depend on that for us to go to be with him amen He's just trying to get us through this life without, what, illegitimate means for comfort. To come to him for comfort. How many of us need comfort a lot down here? (sighs) He wants us to come to him for that comfort. Now look what it says. Believers need self-control because the outside world and internal forces still attack us. Romans 7, 21 to 25. How many of us still get them attacks inside of us? To do something that's not good. Okay, we all get them, right? I'm not crazy here, right? And the Bible's not. It tells us that we still do. We still fight these things, right? Or else we'd already be arrived. Somebody that sits in church and tell you that they're not struggling, they're lying. Because if you're trying to follow Jesus in the fallen world of the devil, you are going to struggle down here for righteousness. You're going you're gonna to struggle to say, oh, it's okay, and give somebody a pass when they're doing something wrong, or it's having a bad day. You're going to struggle to be able to say that. It's easy to say something nice to somebody. Oh, hi, oh, how you doing? It's not easy to say something when somebody's coming up against you and saying, oh, you Christians are full of it. Instead of saying, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I know, I'm full of Jesus. <laughs> yes. You're full of you know what. But I'm not going to go there. Ah, Good, I got a laugh out of somebody. All right, lighten up, believers, okay? We're not going to hell, we're going to heaven, amen? Amen. All right, just think about that. We're not here to get enslaved, we're here to get delivered, amen? Okay, so don't take anything personal. These are all things to encourage us and let us know that we can do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Amen? amen? We're empowered by the Holy Spirit. All right. Like a vulnerable city, we must have defenses. A wall around an ancient city was designed to keep out the enemy. We read the Old Testament, right? Judges at the gates determined who should be allowed in and who should remain outside. Soldiers and gates enforced those decisions in our lives. These things, these defenses, might include avoiding close relationships with sinners, meeting with other believers, and meditating on the life-giving Word of God. We don't exhibit self-control if we continue, continually dally what which could enslave us again. Amen? Amen? Self-control naturally leads to perseverance. That's the next thing we're going to talk about, perseverance. So that's coming up next, but we ain't getting there yet. We're going to finish the self-control part first, okay? But we all need perseverance to hang in there through these times when things get rough. As we value the long-term good instead of the instant gratification of the world... Self-control is a gift that frees us. It frees us to enjoy the benefits of a healthy body. It frees us to rest in the security of good stewardship. It frees us from a guilty conscience. Okay, self-control restricts the indulgence of our foolish desires. And we find the liberty to love and live as we were meant to, amen? Once you say no to yourself in the sinful nature, you find life in that when you say no. You know what I'm talking about when you say no to something that you want then you know that's not good for you and you don't do it and you use the self-control that Jesus gave you that you never had before. And you glorify God and you have a life. But when you fail in that way, what do you do? Oh, the devil. Oh, how you say you're saved? Look what you just did. No, I'm saved because I believe in Jesus. Not because of what I did. See, we have to fight back. To take control over self-control. We need self-control to control ourselves. The problem is controlling this, not controlling that. The situations come, God sends them. He sends the test and he tells you, I want you to practice your self-control right now. Keep your mouth shut. Pray for me. Call another believer. All these things that we need to do to what? Say no to the flesh and yes to the spirit. Amen? And we're gonna have we're getting there, okay? Alright. Are we ready for the next principle? Yes. <laughs> so we got through how many? Four. Four? All right. Does anybody remember what the first one was? Renew your mind. No? Is it, yeah, renew your mind through God's word. First and foremost, that's the most important one. The second one. Pray for Jesus' and the Holy Spirit's help. Listen. Help me, help me, help me. It says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Formula. Okay. Third principle. Confess your habits and weaknesses to God and others. Don't be afraid to tell people that you're weak. Because let me tell you something. Because Paul said, I glory in my weaknesses and infirmities. Because when I'm weak, then I am strong. If you want the power of God to empower your life, you have to admit how weak and powerless you are without Jesus. Can I get an amen for that? Let me tell you something about spiritual pride. That's a no-no. How many of us are weak in here? I hope you all raise your hand because we are. Because what do you think we needed him for? If we were strong, we wouldn't need a savior. It's hard for a, a human being to admit a weakness, though, isn't it? Oh, I don't want people to know I'm I'm so fragile. I'm a marshmallow, really. I mean, I have this like this street defense on, but I'm really soft inside that the, the world is made hard to try to prove like I'm something good like something good in me. But really, I'm sensitive and weak. But we put on that bravado, like, oh, yeah, look at me. I can, you know. i Italian stallion." Don't let anybody my butt. Don't I let you cry? Don't you cry, kid. <laughs> but I'm scared That Shut up. You're not scared. <laughs> you want to be scared? I'll give you something to be scared about. That's what he would do. <laughs> hey, now we can get an amen, right? That's, that was ingrained in us to be prideful. And don't let anybody see that you're weak. Just imagine you're out there with your friends and you start crying. Oh, my goodness. You know, every word in the book gets called, you know. So you can't. But the truth is we are. And God knows it. But when you become a Christian, he wants you to become transparent and say, that, hey, you know what? Man, I can't overcome that anger, that bitterness. I always got jealousy and resentment in me. I can't get rid of it. Yeah, you can't get rid of it because you won't tell anybody that you're weak and you won't confess it. Because you come to church with a church face on. All right, so we got that one down, right? All right, now the, the fourth one is what? To identify them. And remove the triggers. Check yourself. And not your, not other people. Every day to see what triggers your sin nature to awaken. Okay? Now well, let me just, there's something I want to talk about about that one. The best form of self-control one time might be fleeing. That's what it's saying, fleeing. I'm going to just talk about this. We all face temptations to sin, amen? amen. How many of us don't face temptations to sin? Okay. We're all on the same page with that one? Yes. Okay, thank you. All right. <laughs> All our lives. When confronted with temptation, we must strive as far as possible to get away from it. Flee, even if you think you have a lot of self-control, don't put it to the test unnecessarily. Consider some of the things we're told to flee. Flee from a stranger, a teacher of lies. Flee sexual immorality, as Joseph in, taught, told literally to flee in Genesis thirty-nine twelve. Flee from idolatry. Right? Flee all kinds of evil. Flee also youthful lusts. John 10.5, Corinthians 6.18, 1 Corinthians 10. We need self-control to avoid not only outright evil, but also too much of the good things too. You see, even things that are good, we can take over the top and they can become bad. That's why self-control works both ways. You can become the over-the-top help freak. I used to be like, I said, oh my God, if I can't get to the gym, forget it, don't even talk to me. If I can't do that, I'm miserable. And it's like, you don't do it for that. You do that so you can be healthy. Instead, it's more poison. When you don't do it, you feel worse. So it doesn't have any benefit that way. So we end up losing self-control in that area. It's called balance. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you can never achieve that balance we need. Like, I wanted to go walk today, but I couldn't. I had to put my storm door up in my house or else forget it. I had, had other things that took, took precedence over that. But before, I would have said, I would have ruined my day if I had to do something that took its place. But I understand that God said, no, listen, don't worry, you'll get to that. This has to do, you have to do this right now. And I was okay with it. It's called self-control. So, okay, I'll get to it tomorrow. And if I can't walk tomorrow, I have to do it Monday. What am I going to do? Instead of getting what? Oh, I didn't get my way. Get miserable and cranky and, not, and start talking to people bad and having a bad testimony for the Lord. Amen? It's called going over the top with it. And that was something that's good for you. It's good to take a walk. Remember Forrest Gump? He walked. I don't know how long he walked. He, he didn't stop. I think he crossed the country. I think was, he had like a bad ton of head, right? I so think he went a little over the top with that one, right? <laughs> People often lack the self-restraint to stop when they should. People overeat, overdrink, overspend, and overindulge in lots of things. We must rule over our appetites rather than letting our appetites rule over us. Overindulgence can lead to intoxication, addiction. In either case, a person is then really out of control. A lot of people think that I'm addicted. No, listen, you're out of control when you can't control something. When you you start doing something, you can't stop. It's called lack of self-control. It could be anything. Self-control often means resisting sexual temptations, a subject addressed many times in the Bible. Tragically, standards of morality and modesty are plunging around us. Sexual sins are especially damaging physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. 1 Corinthians 6, 13 to 20. Because of lust, even smart people do stupid things. Can I get an amen for that? We see it. Just think of all the prominent people who've been caught cheating on their spouses. They may be ruling over many people, but they fail at ruling their own lives. Amen? They lose self-control. They have all everything in the world, but they have no self-control. The only ones that can get self-control like that is through the Holy Spirit. And guess what? We have it. Believer, we have it, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We have it. Guess what? Let's to use it. Okay, let's keep going here. Let's go to the the fifth one. We ready for the fifth one? Yep. All right. This is this is this is going to be this isn't going to be bad. It's going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> the fifth principle. Remember the word of God or the gospel when you fail. Okay? Not if, when. How many of us are going to fail in this? When we fail, we've got to remember the gospel and what God did. Go to Ephesians chapter 2, and now let's go. I'm going to show you. Look at verse 3. We have to understand this now. Did anybody fail today in self-control in any area? Okay. Let's remember what what took place here now, all right? This is so, how many of us beat ourselves up over that? No. Don't do it. Listen to me now. Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse 3. Remember this. All of you used to live that way. Following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Look at verse 4. But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Amen? We have, what you just sing today? Resurrection power. You are alive again, I don't care how much you failed, you are still have resurrection power. Don't let the devil tell you you don't because you failed. Amen? Don't let that happen. Just remember the scripture, look what it says. For he raised us from the dead, what's that? From our sinful nature, along with Christ, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of, of the incredible wealth of His grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all He has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. How many of us are united with Christ Jesus? All of us. When you fail today, you're still united with Him. Don't ever forget that. That's why you have to remember the Gospel. The devil wants you to think, how can you be with Jesus when you just did that? And guess what? Believers get caught in that. And they get what? Downcast. And they, they question their salvation. Yep. How many of us still question our salvation at times? Look, we're saved from the penalty of sin the moment we believe. But the power of sin is something, not sanctification, that we're getting delivered from daily. Every day as we get closer and closer to Him, we're getting delivered from our sin nature. Some days I'm good. Some days I fail miserably. Can I get an amen for that? Look, I'm going to be up here telling you that, okay? I fail. Do you? It's okay to fail. Right? Thank you, God. He's not holding that against us because it says in Second Peter, they forgot that this old sin has been dealt with. Look, your past, present, future sins are done, dealt with. You're the only one that keeps remembering them. Okay? When you fail, you keep, the devil keeps reminding you how bad you are. He never lets you remember your victories. Look at, think of all the times when you were victorious with Jesus and you did say no and you did glorify God and you fight back and say no. I might have failed right then, but God covered that and I'm forgiven and tomorrow's going to be better. It's a positive attitude from the scripture. Look what it says. Look at verse 8. God saved you by his grace when you behaved. (laughs) If that was the case, listen, if that was the case, none of us are going to heaven. Understand that. When I bicker with my wife, that doesn't mean I'm going to hell. I bickered with her today. You know, there's a lot of pastors that won't come up and tell you that, right? So right. you know, I'm perfect, yeah, right? right? No, no. I failed miserably. They tell me I, I bought a 45-minute installation storm door that took me 45 hours to put in. So I wanted to get the door and throw it.
0: All right. All
1: right? Yeah, 45 minutes if you're an Anderson specialist that's been doing it all their life. All right, so now we can understand that we all know we're on the same boat here, okay? Yeah, right. Thank you. Breathe, believer. That's why we love coming here, right? Because we know that we're not perfect, but we're trying to do what God wants us to do. And he's given us the power to do it, but we fail at times. And here's where his grace and his mercy comes in. Not as an excuse, as just a reality of our fallen nature. Because if, if I had to be perfect, then I couldn't come up here. I couldn't come up here and preach. You think only Jesus would be able to come up here. So that's why I, I like to say that so you can relax too. So you don't have to feel like i got to put on a church face when I come to church thinking I'm overcoming everything when I'm really not. When I'm struggling with God every day. Because we all do. Okay. That lightened us up a little bit, right? Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Now look what it says. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for it. This is why Christians get pharisaical. They start overcoming and thinking that there's something in them. And then they look down on other believers that are still struggling. It has nothing to do with you and everything to do with him. He's the one who did it for you. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Listen. I got brothers and sisters that talk like they're so smart and intelligent and really they have no common sense at all. They don't, even understand, they don't even know themselves. Look, they can pick out everybody else's flaw but can't find one in themselves. That's how you know. Say, boy, God's going to work in you, boy. I mean, you can see your sins more than someone else's. Now you know you're making progress. Like I always say, when you see when you see somebody else sins all the time, those are really yours. God's trying to show you, and you can't see within yourself. You say, know, "Oh, I would never do that." Really? Well, you probably thought about it. You might have not have carried it out, but Jesus goes way beyond to what the action to the thought. You hear it all the time. I would never do that. Be careful what you say. Look. You can't take credit for this. Look, it's a gift from God. God's not an Indian giver. Look, I'm going to heaven. I believe in Jesus. I'm going to heaven. It's a gift. Thank God it didn't depend on my performance. You know that don't depend on your performance to go to heaven, right? But why does it always... How come when you fail, you think that you're not? Because the world is based on performance. And even churches are based on performance, sadly enough. That a believer comes in that's beat up by life and says, oh, you should have, you know, you know the scripture, you should know better. No kidding, we should all know better when we do. That's the last thing we need to hear. We need, it's okay. I did the same thing. I'm just like you. We're nothing but dust. See, with spiritual pride to crucify the church. Oh, I'm always here on time. They're always late. What's wrong with them people? You know, but you're, There's something wrong with you too that they do right, right on the money. Get it? We all have flaws somewhere else. Yeah, yep. To pick on someone else is, is always like this. And they say, well, what about mine? God's trying to point out, what about your flaws? Why don't you take a good look at them? Maybe you can overcome them. Instead of looking at theirs, which you can't make them overcome. Only Jesus can. Okay. Hallelujah, right? Lighten up, believers. Stop picking on people. Stop picking on yourself. See, here's the thing. When you beat yourself up because of your sins, you're going to beat other people up because of theirs. That's why you have to understand God's unconditional love for you and when you fail to remember what he did for you. It's important. Look, you can't take credit. It's a gift for God. Look at verse 9. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. Listen, you can't become a super Christian. God doesn't see it that way. You can come to church diligently, read the Bible every day, and there could be someone out there that can't get here, and he doesn't see him any different. It's not based on that. And we think it is. But it ain't. It's all based on what's in your heart. You can't, like, be religious with God. He doesn't want to hear that. Even back in the Old Testament, remember? Your worship is a fast. You come... You worship me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. You come to worship me, then I go do my evil stuff after. Thinking it was okay to do that. Don't think the New Testament was escaping from that. No, he was telling us how bad it is. Now look what it says. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Amen? For we are God. Look at verse 10. The next time you feel beat up by the devil you read verse 10, because I'll tell you, most churches don't read this part of it. They read verse 8 and 9, but they fail to see why he saved you. For we are God's masterpiece. Who, me? A masterpiece? Yes. We are a masterpiece. You're a masterpiece. And if anybody talks bad about all my brothers and sisters, but they're going to have to deal with me, because let me tell you something gossip and slander is not God's way. We're supposed to exalt and make make exalt each other. What about the good things we do for each other? When the time comes when somebody does something that might be out of character, Jesus gave them a pass. He said, Oh, maybe they're just having a bad day. What about all the good they do for the church? Different shift of mind. Look. We're God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus. When you believe in Christ Jesus, you're born again. You are new. Look at it says. Well, why did he save me? So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Because our sin nature stops us from carrying out God's will. So we had to deal with our sin nature. And he did it at the cross. Now the, now we're dealing with our sin nature down here. That's trying to consume us. Amen? How many want to get to the sixth one? Yeah, you want to get to it? <laughs> yeah, I can't. Well, you know what? Let's do it. Let's get... You ready for this? Let's get this one in. It's going to take a little bit more of your time, but it's going to be worth it, okay? You ready for this? Remember, we were chosen by God for the task. Okay? We were chosen by God. You want, you want self-control? You have to understand you were chosen by God so you could have self-control. And there's a reason why you have it. Go to John 15 now. We're going to talk about this. we got about four scriptures on this. Can you hang in there with me for yeah. four scriptures? Yeah. You think? Yeah. Okay. Do you realize that you are chosen? Do you realize... In this fallen world, he chose you, and he says, you have self-control. I'm giving you self-control. I chose you because I know you can do it. You know how powerful that is? He chose you because he knows you can do it. He chose Job. Look what he did to Job. We just went through Job, right? He said, if you've seen Job, my servant, he's blameless. He told the devil, do whatever you want to him. Just don't kill him, and he still won't bow down to you. How did God know that if he didn't know him all the way? He knew him all the way and he still didn't do it and he got through it. And he knows you all the way. He chose you and he knows you have self-control because he gave it to you. Look what it says, verse 16. John 15, verse 16. This is awesome. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. Well, what's self-control? Fruit. And he said, lasting fruit. So that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. Look at verse 18. The world's hatred. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. You see it? But you are no longer part of this world. Listen, I chose you to come up out of the world so it hates you. You see it? You wonder why you get persecuted and the world don't like you anymore. Because God chose you to come up out of it. Philippians chapter 1. Are you with me on this? Yes. see this little pocket of ministry we got right here? You do not even know how powerful this little ministry is in the corner of Pawtucket. how, How much of an impact it's having on the kingdom of darkness. That's why the devil can't stand it. There's places with millions and millions of believers. All they're doing is singing. They're not living for God. He chose us to come up out of that. It's a chosen few. Let me tell you something. This is powerful. Look what it says. Look at verse 6. I am certain, Paul, that God, who began the good work within you, just like you say, I don't know how I got here, something just will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it doesn't say, well, if you keep sinning and failing, I'm going to not finish my work with you. He's going to keep doing it. Look, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding of what he did. For I want you to understand what really matters. See it? This is what really matters. So that you might live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. You see it? May you always be filled, listen to what it says now, This is it, right here. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. What is the fruit of my salvation? The righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. That's the fruit of your salvation. You're a new character, you're a born-again believer, and you have Christ-like character within you. That's what really matters. Not how many times you go to church, or how many times you read the Bible. It's His character developed inside of you. And lived out. See it? By Jesus Christ. Now what does it say? For this will bring much glory and praise to God. All right. Stay with me here now. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. You got a few more minutes here, all right? We're almost through this. If you want the principles, you're getting them. Why is it so important? Listen. Why is self-control so important right now? Watch. Look at Philippians 2, verse 12. You always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it's even more important. Look what it says. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. What's the results? Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Now, how many of us set out and want to please God? We all do. And that's why when we fail, we're not to stop. Because the devil wants you to stop doing that and glorifying God when you fail. You can't let that happen. You've got to understand it. Look what it says. Look now. Don't, don't let me lose you here. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Oof we got a lot of growing up to do. <laughs> sure. Listen, Christians, it's okay, though, but we have a lot of growing up to do. Because if you're still complaining and arguing, that shows a lack of maturity. It's not something to be mad about or beat yourself up over. It's just a fact. Look at why is it. Why is it important that you, self-control will help you stop complaining and arguing? It takes self-control for that. Correct? Can I get an amen for that? Yeah. All right, stay with me here. Why? So that no one can criticize you. That's why Christianity doesn't have any power, because everybody's still complaining and arguing, and no, and everybody's criticizing the church, saying, "What are what's so different from you? You're still whining and complaining about everything, just like we are." I thought you were going to heaven and believing Jesus. I thought that was a joyful thing. Now what the heck are you complaining about? You see what I'm trying to say? How important self control is. Look. So that no one can criticize you. Look what it says here. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God. Why? Shining like bright lights in a world full of what? Crooked and perverse people. Now, if this ain't the time to shine, there ain't no time to shine. The world is full of that. So guess what? The Bible tells us to come up out of that. You can't leave it. It says come out of that mentality of that and show the light of what you really got saved for, and really why you came to me. See it? Look what it says. Hold firmly to the word of life. Trust me, this this is it. This is the magic formula, the Bible. Hold firmly to the word of life. Look what it says. Then, on the day when Christ returns, like she was just reading... When Christ returns, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. Amen? We come here, I come here to build you up for this task of shining light full of people that are full of crooked and perverse. That's why we come here. To get empowered to do it. How many of us are up for the task? Amen. All right. we're going to stop there. Thank you. God is good. But when we get together, we're gonna, I'll make a, I'll say a couple other ones, but it's getting late, and I know people have the things to do. There's a couple more pr- things in there, but we'll just get into the other one. Next week, we're going to get into perseverance, okay? Well, it's going to be really good. So, Brittany's going to come up and sing, and we're going to close. Thank you for letting me go over a little bit. And Jasmine. Well, you know, I, I did good in the beginning, right? Did I get some praise? thank you. Thank you. Thank you for not. I don't have to be perfect. Thank you. Your
0: number four. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain.
1: Fantastic. Thank you very much. Brother Wayne, can you close them fair tonight? Thank you. Wayne's gonna close us. Amen. Yeah. Thanks, brother. Great seeing everybody. Have a great night until we meet again. God bless.